Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We are really glad that you're here today, and I hope you enjoy the service. You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the elderly man that was about to pass from this life to the next? And he's laying in his bed, and uh, it's any moment now, and then he smells something. He smells uh, the aroma of chocolate, fresh chocolate chip cookies. It's his favorite cookies. And that, that aroma came upstairs into his bedroom and it gave him enough strength to, to get uh, out of that bed and, and to make it to the stairs. And he held both of those rails going down the stairs following that scent. He gets down to the end of the stairs and he looks over into the kitchen. And there on his table were hundreds of fresh chocolate chip cookies. And he, he made a, a, his way over there and he ended on his knees and he had one hand up on the table. And then with his other hand, he went to grab a cookie. And right as he went to grab a cookie, he felt a spatula hit him on the hand. And he heard his wife scream. He said, you leave those cookies alone. They're for your funeral. <laughs> oh, well. Well, today we're continuing our series called 30 Days to Live. Now, this series, it's about priorities. I believe that this series can have a profound effect on all of our lives. Because if we could look at our lives through the lens of what's important and what really means the most. If we could think like if we had 30 days to live, how would we make decisions? It would change everything. Here's what I want you to consider. It's not how long you live, but how you live that matters the most. It's not how long you live, but it's how you live that matters the most. Now, this series is built on two verses of Scripture from the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 39, verses 4 and 5. It said, Lord, remind me how brief my time on this earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You made my life no longer than the width of my hand. And you know, last week we talked about the, how they used the width of your hand to measure things in those days. And they would start at the very end of your palm and go to where your fingers begin. And that was, your, and, and God is saying that, that in the scheme of things, our life is just a little uh, like the width of our hand. It, it's, it's like, uh, at best, each of us is just a breath. And so he's saying that let's make the most of every opportunity that we have because we're not promised tomorrow. Now, I concluded last week's message by saying that uh, I'd like to share a personal story. Uh, Over the last several months, I've been waiting for an opportunity to really to pull back the curtain and uh, just give you a little glimpse of something that's been going on in in Patty and I's life. Um, And I'm hesitant, I'm hesitant to do that because here's what I understand, that that there are stories all over this auditorium. There are stories of difficulty. I've I've been praying over the prayer cards that have been turned in over the last 14 days. 
And honestly, to see the stories uh, that you have shared, um, it really grips my heart. And so for me to, to share this story, it pales in comparison to many of the things that you're going through right now. And so I, I preface this by, by just saying that and just uh, for you to understand my heart. But it was the Wednesday after Easter. And the nine months leading up to Easter 2018 was filled with change. It was filled with change in my life and, and filled with change here at the church. It was during this time that I stepped back into the role of managing the business side of the church. And, you know, um, as you know, we've had during this season, we had several changes going on and we had six staff members leave uh, for other opportunities. And this uh, change created a vacuum that needed to be filled. And so I stepped in to manage this change. Now, I hadn't done this in a long time, but I was invigorated. I was excited. Uh, I was uh, telling people, I said, I am back in the weeds and I am loving it. I said that over and over. I am back in the weeds and I am loving it. And I saw this as this little window of opportunity that, to get some things done that have been close to my heart. And so uh, I just dove in. And one of those things is I had a, a heart's desire to see our, our parking lot paved. Uh, I wanted to see uh, the entryway expanded from a two-lane to a four-lane. And so we went to work on that. I wanted to see our children's ministry uh, renovation done. And we've got halfway um, done on that. Um, And the rest of that is another sermon. But, um, But I just went to work with that. And we just focused on that. You gave generously. We paid cash for all of those renovations. And I'm telling you, the... Just the parking lot in the entryway. Well, it's for four or five, six hundred thousand dollars. I mean, these were significant projects, but I was just all in because I wanted to see that done. And so we started 2018 with great momentum, great energy in the church. People were excited. We got up to Easter and we had about 4,000 people here on Easter. We we're celebrating. It was a tremendous day. And then it was the Wednesday after Easter. We were at Edisto with the the grandkids, and it was about 5 o'clock on Wednesday after Easter, and I had this intense chest pain like I had never had before. I mean, it was the type of chest pain that just caused you, uh, I had to go lay down, it was was that, and uh, I would just cry out, and it lasted for about 20 minutes, and then it passed, and you kind of worn out afterwards. And I thought, okay, that's different, but you know, you just press on. And so I uh, went out to eat that night. Thursday's fine. Friday, about 3 o'clock, it happened again. And so I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's different. You know, maybe I need to check that out sometime. Uh, you know, just kind of putting it off. And then on the way home um, Sunday, we stopped in Walterboro uh, for lunch. And they delivered the lunch to the table, and it happened right then. To the point where we had to get up and leave the food on the table. And, you know, when... If I'm going to leave food on the table, it's got to be hurting. And so we got to the car, and, and Patty's just like, uh, she doesn't know what to do. She said, let's get to the hospital. Let's get to the hospital. And at that moment, I said, okay, we're in Walterboro. Do you want to go to the Walterboro Hospital? Now, if you work at the Walterboro Hospital, I appreciate you so much. 
The people of Colleton County, they appreciate you, and it's a great place. But at that point, I was just longing for home. And so I said, no, take me home. And so uh, we went home. Everything was okay. We got there, and you know, I called uh, my doctor. I went in, and they did tests and everything else. And they said, you know, we'll watch this, but we don't see anything, and that's fine. And so everything's fine on Friday of that week. I am going through the car wash, or about to go through the car wash, um, and I felt this thing coming on. I thought, man, I can't be in the car wash and for, happen, for that happening. And so I pulled out of line, and I, I drove toward uh, down Georgia Avenue, and I went by Dr. Lambert's office, and I pulled in Dr. Lambert's office, and Dr. Lambert serves here at the church. He's probably running the screens right now. Um, and I walked up there, I'm trying to be cool, calm and collected. You know, I walked up to the desk there. I said, hey, I said, uh, do y'all have an EKG machine here? And she kind of looked at me. She said, no. I said, I'd like to see Dr. Lambert. And said, so, well, just have a seat in the waiting room. And I'm, I'm thinking this thing is about to hit me. And so I knew that I didn't need to be in the waiting room. So I walked into a hallway and it hit me. I went to my knees. It scared all of them. I'm telling you, uh, they grabbed me, put me on oxygen and called 911, had an ambulance on the way. Now I am in intense pain, but I still can think. Okay. And I am thinking very clearly. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that's going to cost a thousand dollars for that ambulance to come. <laughs> Seriously. That's what I thought. And I said, Dr. Lambert, please cancel that ambulance. You can call Patty. <laughs> She'll come and pick me up. And so they did. Um, I would probably do that different now being on this end of that. But on that end, I was just, uh, I was about the numbers there. And so uh, uh, Patty came and, and carried me to the university hospital. And we spent the evening there. They did all kind of tests and all that kind of stuff. Didn't see anything. So sent me home. And so on Monday, I know this is a lot of story. And so I'll try to just jump through it. But uh, on Monday evening, well, excuse me, uh, it was Tuesday morning, 1.45 in the morning, and uh, it just woke me up. And for the next 45 minutes, it was the most intense pain that I've ever been through. And, um, and I knew I had an appointment that next morning. I didn't want to lose that appointment. So I just pushed through that, you know, crying and praying and all this kind of stuff. It was intense. And so... Uh, Long story short, that afternoon it happened again, and I ended back up at the hospital. And they did the troponin um, test, you know. And basically, the pain of that um, experience triggered a mild heart attack. And so immediately uh, they go in, do a stent, and that was Tuesday. And they're thinking that everything should be fine now. Everything's good. But then those episodes happened four more times in the next 24 hours. And so I ended up staying in the hospital till. Uh, till Friday. And look, at that point, we are trying to just keep everything quiet. We didn't want to be the story. We didn't want to, uh, we felt like that, that there's enough change going on at the church that this kind of information just didn't need to be out there public uh, information because we felt like that it would create conversations uh, that didn't need to be had. And so we just decided as a family that we're going to keep this uh, uh, within our, ourselves. Now, the funny thing is this. We live in a small town and uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, and, and especially if you've been here as long as we've been here. And so uh, several weeks after that, um, I received a phone call from when the church member said, Pastor Marcus, I'm so sorry you had a heart attack. I said, who told you that? 
I did. I said, who told? She said, well, we're at the funeral home and the undertaker told us. I said, really? He must have been down in the hospital looking for business. And so, uh, and so there are several funny moments. And in those times, you start to look for the funny moments. But that, that stuff continued. And uh, Patty told me after the first service, she said, you really made light of that stuff. But it was, um, she said, you need to be a little bit more um, honest about it. But, it, you know, it was, um, you know, there are moments that you wonder if you will come through this. Okay, so that's kind of the, and it could happen in the middle of the night, and it did, and she hadn't slept well for a, a number of months. But after, you know, I've been poked and prodded and tested and, and all this kind of stuff. And so finally, uh, my doctor said, Marty said, you need to go to the Mayo Clinic. And so this past summer, I uh, had the first appointment at the Mayo Clinic, go through all that, preached on Sunday, went to the Mayo Clinic on Monday, uh, and so forth. And uh, I started getting better last fall. You know, we pressed through several series, you know, getting better. And then I, I still having these episodes, still having these issues. And even today, I still live with nitroglycerin in my pocket just in case. Like a few weeks ago when I pulled out the Clemson um, uh, handkerchief, you know, I did that as a joke, but I didn't tell anybody I was doing that. And so they really thought I was having some serious issues. And so it freaked the staff out that I would do that. And so I had to apologize because uh, I just didn't think through all of that. Um, so anyway, back to uh, next appointment at the Mayo Clinic, November 6th. I went there thinking that I was going to be released and doing a lot better. And um, they said, you know, you, you got some numbers. That your heart's fine. Your heart's fine, okay? But you, your numbers are up. And I said, well, what does that mean? And without very much emotion, they said, okay, you either have an infection, a parasite, or cancer. I thought, great. Um, and this is the first thought that came to my mind when I heard the word cancer. Now, many of you, you have heard that word, and it's been more than a word. You have gone through the pain and difficulty of chemotherapy. You've gone through radiation. You know the weight of that, but you know it more um, uh, than I do because you have walked through that. But hearing that for the very first time, it gets your attention. It gets your attention. And so my very thought, first thought as I heard them say that word was, I've got to get my schedule under control. Those are the very first, okay, if this is my life, I've got to get my schedule under control. Now, the good thing is this, uh, the very next day, they're transferring me uh, to a doctor here went to uh, an appointment and went through some more tests and that kind of stuff. I don't have cancer. Thank the Lord for that. Um, let me, I, yes. I, I appreciate that, but my, my heart goes out to those of you here who have been through that. Um, and, and as I went through that, that meeting, he paused at the very end and he's, he looked at me and he said, this is the first time I've ever been to him. He's a creaker though. He said, Marty, you need to understand that I pray for you almost every night. When he said that, it was like something broke. It was like something like that I just felt like um, that this season of suffering is about over. 
that we are turning uh, the tide. And I just felt uh, encouraged by that. Now, we've gone through several things, and uh, you say, well, what's up? Well, uh, we don't know really what's up, but we think it's not that you're concerned about this. Uh, It's an esophageal issue. Like where your esophagus meets your stomach, there's a little uh, valve there that's not working properly, but it has a way of mimicking a heart attack, and it can be so painful that it can cause a minor heart attack. So that's my story. So here's the point. When I heard the word cancer at the Mayo Clinic, the first thought that I had was I've got to get my schedule under control. Now, at this point, this message is no longer about my story. It's going to be about you. So here's the question. What is it going to take for you to get your schedule under control? You see, I don't want you to have to go through a medical event for you to have this aha moment where you have to uh, hear some words that you say, okay, I've got to get my schedule under control. What is it going to take? What is it going to take for you to change? I'm telling you, when I heard that, I thought, my goodness, it probably inspired this, not probably, it inspired this series that we're in. Because I think that when you start to hear words like that, you look at your life differently. You have a way of getting your priorities back where they need to be. And that's why I'm just using this time is to, to encourage you. Don't be like me. This, I'm not preaching at you today. I, I'm telling you my story, and hopefully God can use this to inspire you to look at it. So here's the reality What are you going to cut? What are you going to eliminate from your schedule this week? This week. What are you going to cut? In uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, Jesus said these words. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch, what? In me that bears no fruit. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. I want you to look at your schedule and I want you to cut something. I want you to eliminate something this week. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that, notice this, that does bear fruit, he prunes. Notice that. Every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes. Some of you are bearing fruit like never before. Your sales numbers are up. Um, Your influence is off the charts. You are reaching every goal that you set out to do. And life couldn't be any better. Guess what? It's time for you to cut something. It's time for you to prune something. You say, wait a minute. Everything is going just as I'd ever hoped it would be. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And the reason he does that is why? Is so that it will be even more fruitful. Even more fruitful. And so we've got to be willing to prune things out of our life so that we can become more fruitful. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about an Old Testament character named Moses. Now, Moses is one of the greatest leaders of all time. 
he delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He was the guy that went up on Mount Sinai to chisel out the Ten Commandments. Uh, he uh, is a great leader. He is truly an overachiever. And there came a point in Moses' life where he felt like he was overwhelmed and just couldn't get it all done. Have you ever been there? That you just feel like you're overwhelmed with all of this opportunity. You're overwhelmed with all of these issues and you just can't get it all done. If you have been there before, then you know what Moses was feeling at this season in his life. Because at this season in his life, people were lining up to see him. From sunup to uh, sundown. And his uh, workload uh, was unsustainable. So we pick up this story in Exodus chapter 18 and verse 14. uh, Because at this point, his father-in-law sees what's going on. His father-in-law, his name is Jethro, and he starts to speak into the life of his son-in-law, Moses. We pick it up. Verse 14, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Moses, why do you sit alone as, as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening. And Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. So whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and I inform them of God's decrees and God's instructions. And Moses' father-in-law replied to him, says, what you're doing is not good. You and all these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Have you ever felt worn out? Have you ever felt like you're just worn out, that you don't have enough energy to get up and do the things that you need to do? I know you feel that way because I've gone through these prayer request cards over the last 14 days and over and over I've seen the words anxiety on these cards. And I know that you have been stressed. Some of you are stressed because of health issues. Some of you are stressed because of family issues. Some of you are stressed because of work issues. And you're carrying this anxiety and you are wearing yourself out as a result of it. Well, I want to look at these verses of Scripture because I believe there are four things in these verses of Scripture that will speak to us. And we're going to look at our lives and we're going to approach our lives as if we had 30 days to live. And I believe these four principles will ensure that God and not your calendar runs your life. I want to make sure that God and not your calendar, not your schedule runs your life. So four things. Here's the first one. Jethro said this to Moses. Moses, you need to find and discover a sustainable pace. You got to find a sustainable pace. He didn't pull any punches. He said, Moses, you can't work as many hours as you're working. 
You are putting in 12 hours a day and you're doing this six days a week. You can't do that and survive. Something's going to eventually give. Either your health or your sanity or your family or your career or maybe your legacy. Worse than that, you're going to wear yourself out and the people around you are going to be worn out. And what I need you to understand, Moses, is your strategy for leadership is not working. So what is it going to take for you to see that your strategy of leadership is not working? What is it going to take? And I realize for most of you here, in your mind, you feel like it is impossible to change the schedule. It's impossible. You say, Marty, yeah, you can change your schedule, but, but I can't change mine. Yes, you can. You know, I can go down the list of things that I have stopped doing and some things that I really enjoy doing. Several years ago... Um, Let me say this. I I love yard work. I love cutting grass. There's something about cutting grass that when I take that lawnmower and I walk down that list, I see immediately uh, the result of my labors. So many times in my, my work here, I don't see the result of my labor for months or years sometimes. Sometimes it takes years for some of you to come to Christ. And I've been waiting a long time. Seriously, that's a real one there. Um, and so, but I can cut grass and I can see, here's my labor, there's the result. It is so satisfying to me for that and to work in the yard. But a church member came to me and said, Marty said, let's just be proud. Let's look at your life. You've got to understand that every hour, and we're talking business here, every hour represents a dollar amount. And he spoke this to me and he said, you have to decide if the dollars that you're in, um, investing away on your yard is the best investment for you. Now, this is just me. And so I heard that and I thought, okay, I can delegate that. And so that was just one of those things that I I felt guilty about that. What do you mean that I can't do that? But I had to think like that. Here's another, just an example of that. Uh, When we moved to North Augusta seven years ago, uh, we bought the house. I painted every wall. I painted every baseboard. I painted every a piece of crown molding because uh, I like to paint. I've got a steady hand. I don't have to tape things. I've got a steady hand and can draw a straight line. It's therapeutic for me. But I had to come to realize uh, because uh, after several years, you know, you need to pull out the rollers again and it needs to be done again. And you have to look at your life. Is this the best use of my time? And so I'll have to go and delegate that to somebody that is better at that than I am. So those are just two very practical things. So you've got to look at your schedule and what are you going to cut out? What are you not going to do? Because we're working toward a sustainable pace here. And you cannot burn the candle at both ends. In fact, those of you who are burning the candle at both ends, you are not as bright as you think you are. And so you've got to develop this sustainable pace. And here's what I would say to some of you saying, oh, Marty, it's, you, you know, you're leading the charge in this. And so you can make your own call. Yes, I can. It's, 
but let me say this. When you look at your work schedule, and yes, you may be working for a manager. You may be working for an owner. You may be working for someone else. Is there room for you to cut something out to, so that you can have um, a sustainable pace here? I would say there probably is. How about this? What if you concentrated on those things that you're paid to do? Now, that may be revolutionary for some of you. What if you focused on actually those things that you are paid to do? The reason you show up at that office, you're paid to do these tasks. Do that. So many times in life, in my life, I'm not preaching at you. I'm just telling you my story. I will do those things I am paid to do, but I like to add this on here. I like to add this uh, over here. And before you know it, my schedule is crazy because I've added things to my schedule at work even. And I am doing things I'm not paid to do. Just think about your life very practically. What is it this week that you can eliminate from your life so that you can go after a sustainable pace? And it may not be anything at work. It may be something else that that is robbing your time, that is taking that, and it's causing you to live as if you... um, cannot sustain uh, this pace that you're in. So just kind of think about that because what are we doing? We're going to approach our schedule as if we had 30 days to live. I want you to live a long time. But I want you to make the most out of every opportunity. And I want you to eliminate those things that are time wasters. I want you to eliminate those things that are stealing from you. Okay? Uh, Your personal life, just start to move that stuff out. You say, I don't know what to do. Here's what. I want you to to do what you can do. I want you to do what you, you, you can't do everything. But if you will do what you can do and then trust God to do what you cannot do. In other words, you do the possible. Ask God to do the impossible. And I want you to understand this. That I believe that your promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but your promotion comes from the Lord. I believe that you work and you have a higher calling. I actually believe this, that God has given you the ability to create wealth. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. He has given you the ability to create wealth. And if you understand that God has given you the talents and God has given you the mind to reason and God has given you these abilities, therefore, when you go to work tomorrow, that will be a part of your worship because you are thanking God that he has given you the abilities and the talents to do what you are doing at work. And so when I go to work, it is like worship because I am praising and worshiping God that I have this ability to do what I do. If you will change who you're working for, it may change the way you think about work. If you will go in um, on Tuesday, let's say if you have uh, tomorrow off, if you'll go in and you'll say, okay, God, I am working for you. I am honoring you. I'll tell you, it just may change the way you view your job. God has given you that talent, and you are brilliant people. I am amazed at your brilliance. Uh, And if you haven't met smart people, hang out in the atrium and just talk to a few people here at Stevens Creek. 
You are brilliant people. And I'm telling you, you need to understand that God has given you that talent and God has given you that ability. Honor him and worship him. If you can put him um, in the first place of your life, uh, I believe that you can develop that sustainable pace. Let's move on. I think, secondly, Jethro said to Moses, you need to find your unique calling. Jethro recognized that Moses could do a lot of things well. But he had a unique calling to his life. And that he could do things that other people couldn't do. We pick it up in the next verse. Jethro said, now listen to me now. Now listen, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. Moses, I want you to do the possible and let God do the impossible. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. I want you to teach them his decrees and his instructions. And I want you to show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. Now, what he is saying here is he is outlining a job description for Moses. He said, you be the people's representative before God. I want you to focus on teaching. I want you to model this lifestyle. He is outlining a job description. And so, when we think about this, we find our unique calling. You know that God has created you and God has gifted you with these talents. And we start to understand why we've been placed on this earth. That helps to focus us. Because we're approaching our schedules as if we had 30 days to live. Here's the point. We need to delegate things that other people can do. So that you can focus on the things that only you can do. I want you to delegate those things that other people can do. And I want you to focus on the things that only you can do. Now this is true not only at work... This is true in church work, but in volunteerism, but this is also true in your house. I want you to look as your family, as a corporation, and you know, you have family responsibilities. And learn to delegate, because if you don't learn to delegate things to your family members, then you're going to be doing all of the work. You're going to be doing all the work, and then, uh, and you're not preparing them. For that moment when uh, the responsibilities transition to them. And so just think about that. Learn how to delegate. And this is hard for so many of us because you see, we feel like that our worth is tied into what we do. But yet, we never take a break. So this stress and anxiety is coming on us because we're doing things we're not called to do. We're doing things we're not called, we're not gifted to do. Some of you, it could be that, that you're working in a position that you're not gifted in. And as a result of that, you're frustrated. Maybe it's time to put together a resume. Maybe it's time for you to look at your life and to say, what else? Uh, what am I here to do? What are the gifts and talents? God, how can I create wealth? Just think about that. I think some of you are frustrated because you're following a script that has been written for someone else. And I just want you to get in your own story. Get in your own script. You need to find your own voice. 
You need to figure out what you love to do and then do that. Jethro told Moses to offload those things that other people could do and only focus on the things that he could do where he could add value. And he said, verse 21, he said, I need you to select capable men uh, from all the people, men who fear God, men who are trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. What is he saying here? He said, I need you to find the right people. You need to put the right people in place. You need to put the right people on the right seat on the bus. And this is where Jethro gets really practical here. He said, Moses, you're not going to live forever. And you're not the only one that can do this job. I know you think that you are the only one that can do this job, but you are not. That could be a word from the Lord from somebody here. You think that you're the only one that can do this job, but God is saying to you, no, you're not. There are other people that can do what you're doing. And you need to delegate that. You need to develop uh, people to do that. He said, I want you to select capable men. Now, some of you are in management or some of you have the ear of management. And so oftentimes you have to add people to the team. So when you start to add people to your team at work, what do you look for? I look for three things. I look for three C's. First of all, I look for people of character. I want people who will speak the truth and live the truth. I want people of character. The second thing is I want people of, of competence. They need to do the job. This work is too important to have somebody who can't do the job in place. And some of you are struggling with that because you jumped over this. You hired somebody because you liked them or because they're a friend of a friend and they just can't do the job. And you're frustrated at work when really the most spiritual thing that you can do is to release that person, to find that person a place where they can excel. Okay. That's probably getting way too deep into that, but some of you need to hear that. Three C's, a character, competence, and the third thing I look for, I want chemistry. Do I even like this person? Now, some of you are wrestling with people at work that you don't like, and it's your own fault. You hired them. Make your bed, you lie in it. Okay, so next time, don't do that. You've got to build some common ground, because here's the deal. When you have a team that has chemistry... That team will be unified around your mission. And when there is unity, it opens the door for productivity. And so just think about it. He said, find the right people. Some of you are thinking, now, is this a Bible lesson or is this a lesson on how to build a business? It's both. Okay, it's both. And I'm going to wind it. And he said, select capable people, select them, um, appoint them over officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens, and then have them serve as judges for the people at all times. He said, now this is not rocket science. Moses, I'm telling you a plan. You need to do, be willing to do this. And here's the fourth and final. You've got to be willing to share the load. Share the load. He said, have men serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide for themselves. Now, notice this next verse. 
That will what? Make your load lighter. Isn't that what you're after? Aren't you trying to make your load lighter? Make your load lighter because they will share it with you. This whole message is about helping you to see your schedule and your time and to lighten the load. I've seen too many cards on this stage of people who are depressed and people who are covered in stress and anxiety. And I am just trying to say to you that I don't want you to go through a medical event for you to say, oh my goodness, I've got to get my schedule under control. I want you somehow today to say, okay, I can't conquer the whole mountain this week, but tomorrow I'm going to stop doing this and whatever that is. Because that thing is not profitable for you. And it may be at work and it may not. It may be you're wasting time in other places. I just want you to hear this. I believe that God has a plan for your life. And here's the point. How are you going to take that next step? The next step is simply you got to take it to God. you got to take it to God. you got to say, God, I need help. Because the reason you're stressed and anxiety prone and all that stuff, because you probably are like me, you internalize a lot of this stuff. You internalize this, you hold on to it, and there comes a point where you're overwhelmed just like Moses was. Well, here's how you deal with that. You take it to the Lord. Say, God, I need help. And we're going to pray in just a few minutes. And that prayer is not designed to be some type of very descriptive language prayer. But it's going to be a prayer that comes out of our heart. That we say, God, help me with this. God, give me strength. God, guide me. God, heal me. God, forgive me. Strengthen me. Help me. Have you ever just prayed very clear and just out of your heart? Today, God wants to help you. And to those that are watching online today, God wants to help you. You've got to take it to the Lord. You've got to give it over to Him and and surrender. That's the problem, that we're not willing to surrender. Our time is up, and we're going to pray. And I just want you to give it over, whatever that thing is, whatever that it is. I want you to say, God, I give it to you. Is it a job? Is it a relationship? Is it a habit? Is it an addiction? What is that thing? And give it over to him. Are you ready to pray? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your presence would rest upon these, your people. I pray for those watching online today. And I pray that those uh, folks that are listening to me and maybe they've never made a decision to follow Christ, today is that day. Did you pray this prayer? Say, Jesus, help me. Say, Jesus, save me. Say this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you want me to be. Father, as they pray that prayer, I ask that you would move and change their life. I pray not only for them, but I pray for their family. I pray for their careers. I pray that you would come and that you would move in this place. I pray, God, that we would sense your, your kindness and your mercy. And we give these prayers to you and we pray in faith, believing that you're going to hear and answer. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. 
Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.